Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Way podcast. As all episodes are on the Third Way, this one is free. There is no paywall. Um, so I hope that you do please share it. Um, I am no Joe Rogan or Brene Brown, but I do hope that this is a platform to introduce the world to some of the amazing people that I know. Um, one of the ways to overcome imposter syndrome, I've learned, is to have people have conversations with people that are way smarter than you and way more credentialed. And um, so uh, a few weeks ago, I had on Dr. Doug Brackman, the author of Driven, who's got two PhDs. Um, so the, that was a good little test of my uh, academic uh, insecurities. And today I'm joined with some by another person with a PhD. I'm joined by Virginia Lacayo. Virginia is has a PhD from the University of Ohio um, in communicating for social change. Uh, Virginia is a mind, mindset coach uh, based here in Austin and is also the president of the board of the largest feminist organization in Central America. Um, in addition to that, Virginia has been a college professor, worked for the UN as a consultant, and has one of the most interesting um, stories or multiple stories, lived a, a hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of stories that most people have never lived. And I should also say, Virginia is my partner, and we met about 17 months ago, and uh, we went on one lunch date, and we've been together ever since. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's <laughs> really fun and exciting. So um, the topic that we have today, and I could, you know, talk to you about a lot of different things. I could we could talk about conscious relationships. We could talk about feminism. We could talk about conscious feminism and conscious mas masculine energy. Uh, so we probably will get to all those at some point in another episode. I suspect we'll be doing this again. But today I wanted to start off with an area that I think for myself, I've learned so much from you and our time together. And I know that um, your clients have also learned a tremendous amount. And that's around mindset and specifically something that you call the Indomably mindset. Um, and some context for the listeners is um, I have helped uh, Virginia with her brand and the branding of this Indomably concept um, over the past six months. And it's uh, fascinating to watch the birth and growth and uh, maturation of an idea that I am 100% convinced is a world changer, this idea of Indomably. So that's our topic today. Well, happy to talk about that. It's one of my passions anyway. Right. So um, I'll start off with a simple question. I think it's simple is why do we need to work on our minds? Like who gives a shit? Like our minds do our, do it. Our minds are, they do their things. And a lot of people, you know, they don't necessarily think of the concept of why would I hire a mindset coach as an example? So why do you think we need to do that? Why is that important? We live in the illusion that we are in control of our lives, really, that we are consciousness um, can control everything that is around us and actually the mind is really powerful but not in the way only the woohoo way that <laughs> that people try to project it sometimes or present it sometimes is if you think about it everything we have done everything around us all the objects everything in our lives was created some at some point by one mind, one mm -hmm. idea that, you know, one person had an idea of something that didn't exist before mm -hmm. that was at that time impossible and make it happen, had mm -hmm. the capacity to see those things and make them happen. 
So everything that we know so far was created by the mind. Mm -hmm. The same way, the mind is the only thing in the world that can overcome any obstacle, even um, the impossible one, even the idea of this has been done before and it doesn't exist and it's impossible. But in the same way, the mind is the only thing that creates those obstacles and those mm -hmm. problems. So not, not being aware of how your mind is creating everything around you, is creating the things that you come up with, is creating the things that, <clears throat> that help you evolve, that help you overcome obstacles. We're not aware that the mind is also the one creating all those obstacles for us. So being able to manage your mind, to understand how it works, and to work with that, with those features, in your favor instead of just letting it run by itself you know i i used to say that uh, a mind that is unattended is like a toddler mm -hmm. that you let run in the house without supervision with knife in both hands mm -hmm. can be really destructive can mm -hmm. be really self-destructive you know mm -hmm. it can hurt itself the mind can hurt you your mind can hurt you mm -hmm. and prevent you from doing whatever you want in life and becoming the person you're supposed to be is your mind i know but it's supposed is there its role is to protect you and it will protect you from what it thinks is mm -hmm. a threat even at your own expense at mm -hmm. the expense of mm -hmm. your happiness your potential everything that you're meant to be that's fascinating and i think that there's a factor at play here too so we have the sort of primitive wiring of the mind, the mammalian, rep, uh, reptilian mammalian and neocortex parts of the brain, kind of the neuroscience of just the way that we're wired as humans. You know, we're, we're at the top of the food chain and the evolutionary chain, chain because of our resilience, because of our ability to use our minds. Um, however, at the same time, we have this, um, we have things that happen to us that are traumatic events or a series of traumatic events. I've been quite open in my writings and speaking and podcasts and whatnot about having something called complex PTSD, which comes from years of chronic uh, violence um, as a child. And then that goes into this other factor is like, it goes to something Carl Jung said, who I know we're both an admirer of. Uh, Jung said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will conscious, it will guide you and you will call it fate. Or another translation says it will govern you and you will call it fate. So what I, what I began to realize, and I knew this before you, before meeting you, and, um, but there was definitely, you know, like this, I went from, you know, sort of this cursory knowledge of my mind to I feel like I could have a conversation with other people about their minds because of what you have shared and taught with me, is this, this idea that your mind is creating your reality. Um, and... Bryce Hoffman in his uh, book, Red Team Thinking, dives into this related to like, all the various 130 plus biases that we are wired with. But then you factor in trauma to that too. So then your trauma trauma response on top of your biological and neurological wiring um, is giving you a reality that is not real at all. It's, it's, and I think that's part of where we do get into more of the almost the spiritual side of consciousness is this realization that oh, I am not my mind. I have a mind, but I'm not my mind. And that's, if that's true, then I am not my thoughts and emotions. Eckhart Tolle talks about, uh, talks about that at length, obviously, in The Power of Now. Um, so kind of a follow-up question to that is, what is some evidence that you see of someone not working on their mind? 
what is, what shows up in their lives where you look at that you know we're not we're not we're coaches and we're we're uh, sociologists in the way that you and I are wired in a lot of ways so we I know that I can see like when someone needs some help with their brand because they have some sort of indicator what's an external indicator to you that somebody isn't working on their mind or their 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 mind is their master instead of the other way around well the most obvious one is um, emotional immaturity is it is when someone you see someone acting in a reactive way to everything that happened is not really responding mm. is not being responsible responsible mm -hmm. to her you know her life and the situation that happened and her own feelings and thought but is reacting to them in a compulsive way completely out of control and you, you can see someone that is being controlled by their emotions instead of the other way around, that their emotions overwhelm them, that they it's hard for them to make decisions, for instance. They live in, in this constant either scarcity mindset or victimhood mindset mm -hmm. that, that makes them think and believe that it, life is something that is happening to them mm -hmm. instead of for them or something that they make happen. Mm -hmm and they go completely unaware, you know, in, in a very powerless lifestyle and, and behavior and an attitude that, that they have no control over mm -hmm. whatsoever. And other people, the past mm -hmm. and the current circumstances are the ones that determine their level of well-being in mm -hmm. general. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I relate to that for my own self and, you know, just observing other, other humans um, in that, like what you said about reactive versus responsive. And for me, it, it has been, I talk a lot about lower self and higher self and the lower self, which is when the mind is in control of me, is can be very compulsive and consumptive, reactive, like you said. Um, and so, well, that kind of goes into a, a different, <laughs> kind of a different angle at this, which um, as you and I were crafting the questions, this is one that we kept coming back to. and. Uh, so mindfulness, you could is an industry. It's kind of a sub-industry of psychology or self-help or self-improvement. And uh, we are we are both we both work in this space. You m more than me in the sense that your b whole business is around helping people uh, learn how to master their minds. Um, but mindset comes into a lot of what I do as well, both in the Third Way and a Root and River. And I think we have a mutual, maybe different take, but mutual. Um, aversion to much of what would be considered the mindfulness industry and so what is what bothers you about the mindfulness industry what are some things out there that you see other people that are in this space that are you know air quotes experts doing um, that is actually harmful to uh, someone's uh, efforts to manage their mind well I, I want to clarify that we're talking about industry meaning that what was imported from the East mm -hmm. and Middle East cultures and imported to the West and transferred into commodity. Yes. <laughs> because it's not about the mindfulness field, no, let's not say. No, not at all, right. It's about the industry, how it became a commodity here. <clears throat> and I think that there are many things that um, I think that's been um, distorted in many ways and misunderstood and uh, use of you know abuse mm -hmm. I would say right. and, um, to make it a commodity and the, the first thing is that is that it became a commodity mindfulness became a commodity and in that way um, is is also 
elitist. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, when you think mindfulness as a commodity is associated with happiness and the pursuit of happiness, but mm-hmm. also money and status. Mm-hmm. And you, you see the advertising, you mm-hmm. see all the, the branding of <clears throat> those well-being and mindfulness services. They're always white people, mm-hmm. usually thin people, <laughs> yeah. you know, very fit. Um, mostly young people also mm-hmm. or you know in, in certain age that they're still in in the at their peak you know uh-huh. that kind of that's the image that's been sold to us about mindfulness that you need you need already to have certain level of um, financial uh, stability and mm-hmm. you know financial status that you need money is it's a it's expensive industry mm-hmm. and when when it's conceived mindfulness as something that is for the elite it's only mm-hmm. for the for the rich and white people, mm-hmm. that excludes a lot of people that first that have equal capacity to observe and become conscious and self-aware and manage their mind. Mm-hmm. Because it's really, as long as you're human and you have a brain and mm-hmm. you have your brain complete, meaning that you have all the parts of your brain, mm-hmm. you can use one of some of them to manage the other ones. And right. Period. It's, it's like that. And she'll be free, actually. She'll not be a commodity. Mm-hmm. I, I really believe that these skills is something that we should have in the core curriculum of mm-hmm. elementary school and high school, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, <clears throat> so the, this, this idea of the, the commoditization of, of the mindfulness industry is something that really bothers me. And with that, also something that is very Western mm-hmm. is um, the positive the toxic positivity Mm -hmm. you know the idea that you have to be happy all the time that that the goal is happiness happiness Mm -hmm. and be happy and be well and be you know looking unicorns and Mm -hmm. daisies and rainbows all the time about everything i think that actually if someone aspires even worse if some if someone gets to be happy all the time that's the definition of a sociopath. Mm-hmm. It should never be the goal to be happy all the time. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. First, it's literally impossible. Life is 50-50. So it's not possible, but also it's not something that anyone will want. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be happy all the time. I want to be sad and angry and frustrated when bad things happen because right. I'm human and I have those values. Right. So that's, that's at least two of the things. But And the idea that you need to have certain conditions. I mean, people, single women, single women that are um, African-Americans or Latinas or, you know, that belongs to any of the oppressed minorities that have to have four works, you mm-hmm. know, like shift or whatever, three three jobs, and they have a lot of kids and they don't have money and they cannot afford to pay for yoga classes mm-hmm. or right. stuff like that. The idea, we are denying them the possibility of manage their own mind and emotion and develop that kind of mindfulness that is absolutely needed for their own evolution, for the possibility for them to actually get out of that situation and improve their life. Mm. Start with that. So it sounds like just what you're saying to you that um, mm-hmm. mindfulness or manage, mastering your mind is a social justice issue. It is. All right, we'll it come is. back to that because I know that's a huge factor within Demogwe. So... Um, yeah, we have similar takes. I'm not surprised uh, about that. Um, I think the two that I would add to the two that you mentioned is the commoditized codependency that I see in the space, um, where it's like you keep coming back to me 
and I'm going to keep perpetuating your problem consciously or unconsciously because you're going to keep paying me. And I fucking hate that. I think that's super manipulative, and but that's what narcissists do. Um, it's not just codependency. It's monetized narcissism to a large extent. Related to that, this is overlapping circles significant, is the guruization of it. And there's a sort of casting central stereotype of, you know, uh, dude with man bun, not that man buns are bad, but you know, that look and the, they have a certain look and a vibe and they talk a certain way and they got the beaded bracelets and they, you know, they can quote Eckhart Tolle and Byron Katie and Buddha like a machine, but there's something like thin and uh, thin about their depth. That's very, uh, it's pablum. It's like baby food in a lot of ways. And I see the same pattern of monetized codependency and guruization in the religious industry and in the fitness industry, fitness and health industry. So what that means to me is that if you can convince people that their life sucks and they don't have control over it, you can be a millionaire. Um, and that to me is sad. You know, I'm much more of a, uh, a, a free market libertarian capitalist than you are, but I see what you're saying about the fact that it goes to what I said before. If consciousness is post is doesn't require ideology, it doesn't require an economic status. And but the systems that we operate in um, are designed to uh, benefit those that stay do the best within the system. And the, th the amazing thing to me about mindfulness and the, the part of it that's all free, all of it's free. What Buddha taught about it, Jesus taught about it, what Virginia Lacayo teaches about it, that it's in people, it's in us already, is the very thing that will free us from some of the systemic oppression is inside of us and we're being told that we have to buy it in order to access it whether that's in religion or fitness or psychology or whatever and that is some bullshit in my opinion um so we both have strong opinions about this <laughs> <laughs> so i want to circle back on like i said at the beginning is this whole concept of becoming indomable and indomable as a as a philosophy and as I said, you know, I've got to, I was there when you came up with the term and when you tested it and I was there when Wendy created the logo and I was there when you got it tattooed on your arm uh, in December of last year. And so being a witness to history like this being made is, is a thrill to me, um, regardless if we were partners and not in love and all that. Um, it's just what you're, what you're onto is something enormous that I would put on the level of what Ryan Holiday has done to bring back Stoic philosophy or, or Mark Manson has done to create kind of a contemporary view of mindset. So the question, looping back to that, is what does it mean to become indomable? Well, for me, indomable is um, the power that you have over your own life, mm -hmm. which also means that no one and nothing, not the past, your past, and not your current circumstances, have power over you. Mm -hmm. That means that you have the capacity to manage your mind and your emotions in a way that you make life working for you mm -hmm. and you make your brain working for you to, to take you wherever you want to be or you know wherever you want to go. Mm -hmm. And that is becoming indomable. It's not a place that you arrive. It's not a, you know like, okay, now I'm in the Mable and right. the work and is done. done. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's something that you're always becoming. It's, it's a continuous training of your mind to get the power back and to you realize how much power you have when you really manage your mind and your emotions 
and how little power the rest of the lights has over mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. So you talk about um, Indomable uh, through a lens of what you call decolonization. So that may be a term that English speaking, like Amer you know, Americans in particular, white Americans in particular, may be unfamiliar with. So what does it mean? What is colonization or decolonization and how does becoming Indomable relate to that? Well, I, I, I believe that we are colonized and that a mind, our mind, our weak mind and a mind that has been unquestioned and unattended and unchallenged is, is easy to colonize. And mm -hmm. the colonization, we understand colonization first as, you know, foreign uh, countries invading us and mm -hmm. imposing us their culture and their ways and their, and, and their values and all that. And, <clears throat> and we end up um, adopting those cultures and values and beliefs. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to pause on something real quick just to get clarification because, again, I don't think most of my listeners would necessarily know. So, so colonization is not just a, a historical event that happened to indigenous people. It's a modern thing that is it similar to social conditioning as that would be a similar kind of sort of mental colonization. That yes, goes on exactly ideological mental values is we're being colonized what i consider are the five main modern colonizers right now and mm -hmm. we're all affected by it one way or the other is patriarchy mm -hmm. um, capitalism you know our, our economic system right now organized religion whatever it, that is white supremacy mm -hmm. and your own mind mm -hmm. your own mind becomes when you internalize those ideas, the limiting belief that comes with that, you know, for women, for people of color, for poor people, for for everyone, really, we internalize those limiting beliefs and those values that don't belong to us. Mm -hmm. It's something that we didn't choose. It's something there. Many of them are ideas that don't really serve us, mm -hmm. but we adopt them and we internalize them, and now we own them as if they were our own, mm -hmm. and our mind takes in the role of becoming the oppressor. Mm -hmm. So our own mind is right now the oppressor. We don't need the systems to physically force us to do things or to physically stop us from doing some things mm -hmm. because our own mind is, is in charge of doing that for them. Yeah. So until we challenge our mind and we challenge each one of those beliefs, each one of those ideas, and question it is is this something that belongs to me is this mm -hmm. something that i want for me is this something that is true mm -hmm. that is really true for me and does it serve me mm -hmm. until we don't and if we don't do that we're just gonna follow like sheep. you know mm -hmm. whatever other people said is the right thing is the truth yeah. even modern science we modern science is a colonizer now because yes. it started mm -hmm. with newton with the idea that there is only one god one reality that mm -hmm. we can be objective about it which mm -hmm. is absolutely wrong mm -hmm. and one truth and that means that whatever i think that is not that generalized white androcentric truth mm -hmm. then it's wrong mm -hmm. and i believe that mm -hmm. instead of let it let it make it make it my choice mm -hmm. i just buy into that 
and we buy into a lot of things that don't belong to us and don't serve us. Mm -hmm. So as long as we let our mind be unchallenged and oppressing us that way until we don't question it and, and develop this critical mind that is part of being indomable, we're going to be colonized and we're going to follow other people's rules and, and we're going to let our brain to work against us and keep us oppressed that way. Yeah, and I see it too. When you first shared the term with me, I, you know, I had some, um, I would say, some mild resistance to the idea that some of those things are um, some, you know, some of the things you mentioned, like capitalism and patriarchy and things, are are as, as influential as you say they are. But in further reflection and research, I, I, I agree with you. I think we might have a different approach on the solution. I'm more in the um, you know, John Mackey, conscious capitalism, raise your, con if you raise your consciousness, you need a lot less religion, a lot less government, a lot less, uh, academic, um, instruction. And certainly you don't need to work in a, you know, soulless corporate job if you don't want to. Um, but I do understand how those factors come into play. And it's interesting to me is, um, what, what Indomable is, is, is to me, it sounds like it's freeing yourself from unconscious systems. Yes because this is a systemic issue um, more than anything. So we can we can look at a big macro level like patriarchy or, or white supremacy or whatnot. Um, we can look at it as like big macro systemic or we can look at um, micro systemic and the and the assumptions that we make about things and within our own life. The first one is, I think that your thoughts and feelings are you um, and you are having them when it's really the ego mind that's having them or, you can get into what David White refers to as the three marriages of uh, the systems around your your primary relationship, you know, with your partner, um, your primary your relationship with your yourself, and then your relationship with your career or calling. Um, each of those have systemic elements that, if your mind is controlling you, um, it's going to massively shift how you experience those things. Yeah. Like you said, like if if I am not becoming into mobile and I look at those three areas. And I was here, I was there, I still am in, in some ways. I am a master to my impulses. My impulses control me. And then that's where shame comes in. And that's where then um, uh, guilt and all these other th emotions that are natural emotions to have of then being used to control me by my own mind. Or relationships, you know, uh, like I have a history of high functioning codependency. And in our relationship, there's no room for codependency, but it requires has required both of us to work on our minds in order to keep that from happening. Um, and then our, my work too, I've noticed as I've shifted to more of this indomable mindset, um, I've had this renewed passion for coaching. I've had this renewed passion for the fact that the work that I do as a brand coach does contribute to the advancement of humanity as opposed to just a, a way to make a living so I don't have to get a job. All of that has shifted for me over the past 16, 17 months because of this, this realization of becoming into Mobley. So anyway, long point to get to the kind of a sub question here is if someone wants to do some work on this besides hiring you, which obviously I strongly recommend that they do, <laughs> uh, what, is a, what are a couple of traits that maybe people could focus on to begin to examine whether or not that they're um, reaching this mindset or state of mind of into Mobley? Well, I, one of the most important ones is to develop a critical mind. 
And a critical mind is not just, I mean, we, we think of critical mind and we think that it's about being critical about, you know, like the news, mm -hmm. going through social media or the news with a critical mind. Mm -hmm. that's, that's part of it, but it's not the most of it. As long as we believe that our mind is just reflecting reality, that whatever we're thinking about reality is an observation, like reading mm -hmm. the news, you know, an observation of what's real, what is objective, and we think that we are being objective by describing reality as we perceive it. As long as we believe that, mm -hmm. even if we are critical to the reality that we're observing, just the fact that you said that is the truth, that is real, that mm -hmm. is objective, and I'm being critical of what is, we're deceiving ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're not being critical enough. So be, having a critical mind as we, we understand that is just criticizing mm -hmm. reality doesn't really mean a critical mind for an indomable mindset. You go from um, being critical of news, other people, etc., to become more critical of systems to mm -hmm. really recognize patterns for instance and understand how it works and why it works that way and become more critical to then be the critical be um, the critic of your own mind mm. be very skeptical of your own mind that's the ultimate critical mind is yeah. when you are you question everything that you're thinking you assume the truth that not Nothing that you're thinking is, is really objective. It's right. just a projection of your mind. And you realize that we have all been domesticated. Mm -hmm. Don Miguel Ruiz explained this too, that domesticated means that, and when I talk, I wanted to go back to the idea of, of colon, colonizers and colonization, is that if uh, colonizations and this system that has been colonizing us is really um, a set of beliefs, it's a set of ideas that become beliefs for us and they start ruling our life. And how they did it and how we internalize all that is like when your parents, and it started from the moment that we're born, right? Mm -hmm. That if your parents, your grandparents, your teachers, <clears throat> and, and the community around you start punishing you for believing in something, for saying something, mm -hmm. for thinking something, or for acting in a certain way, they punish you several times, mm -hmm. you adopt the idea that that is wrong. Mm -hmm. And then later in life, when you're an adult and you are supposedly free to do whatever you please, you don't need your parents, you don't need your grandparents, mm -hmm. you're, you don't need the school to punish you for that behavior because you punish yourself for right. that behavior. That's when the mind becomes the, your own oppressor mm -hmm. because you just adopt that without questioning it, without realizing that as an adult, you have the, the capacity and the right to define your own rules somehow. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, pro anarchism or anything right, like that, right. but, but you know, to, to at least be consistent and aligned saying like, this is something I really believe and I want to believe. So then second trait of an indomable person or undomesticated person or untamable person mm -hmm. mindset. The second, um, the second trait is, um, I was saying, be, be, uh, besides uh, the critical mind is the intentional, mm -hmm. is being intentional. And intentional, you are being intentional first with your acts. Everything you do is you do it for a purpose, mm -hmm. you know what you're doing, you know why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Many of us maybe are there, mm -hmm. but that's acting intentionally. 
But then the challenge, the next level, the next challenge is to feel intentionally. Mm-hmm. We, m- most of us think that we feel what we feel and feelings and emotions happen to us. Mm-hmm. They come from outside, you know, from what other people say or do or the circumstances. And that is the things that is creating our emotions. Actually, our emotions are created by our mind and our thoughts. So feeling intentionally is when you realize the power that your mind has over your emotions and you work on your thoughts to create the kind of emotions that you want intentionally feeling. Mm -hmm. And finally is to think intentionally. We think. We think we produce 70,000 thoughts a day, Mm -hmm. most of of them totally unconsciously. Some of them we notice, we perceive and we pay attention to. But the idea that thoughts just happen, there is nothing I can do about it. I I I I cannot prevent myself from thinking this way or thinking that way. That's not true. When you are when you become indomable and you work on becoming indomable, you realize that all the power that you have to think in a very intentional way mm-hmm. and to identify your unintentional thoughts and unintentional thought errors so you can correct them. Yeah. So those are just two of the of the traits. But, you know, another one is uh, being very self-aware, uh, developing self-confidence and mm-hmm. resiliency and obviously becoming also... Um, kind of having a systemic perspective of life and the, mm-hmm. and the world, a systemic worldview, or in my, but I also think that part of the systemic worldview is developing some kind of social consciousness mm-hmm. too, being aware of what's happening and the patterns of, uh, of um, oppression, discrimination mm-hmm. in the world, and what is, what can you do to contribute to that? All those are traits of mm-hmm. an indomable mind. And I'll link to um, a landing page, a landing page that you have on the Indomable mindset. That's in English. Um, I'll put that in the show notes. I want to circle back on two things just to give my take on it. One is on the critical mind, um, and I think cr- critical thinking um, and getting to the point where it's it's not just information you're questioning, not just systems you're questioning, but you're questioning your own mind. Coincidentally, or not coincidentally, the Ruiz wrote a book, The Fifth Agreement which is the fifth agreement is be skeptical. Yeah. Um, the term I, I, I use for that for myself is curiosity. And even this morning, um, so we, we watched uh, with Andre, we watched Everything Everywhere last night mm-hmm. and it was super overstimulating as I expected it would be. And I, I, I fell asleep and I woke up and I was sort of still in an overstimulated mode, but instead of going, oh shit, like how do I get rid of this? Or what else is it? What is causing it? I just was like, Oh, I'm going to, something you taught me. I'm going to state the fact. I am overstimulated. Now I get to do this. Why? Oh, I know why. It was that movie. Okay. Well, any other like uh, impulses I have related to threats or paranoia or some of that ADHD stuff that I have going on, it, my level of anxiety dropped by 50% just by being curious about it. And then I think the other one around being intentional and and, you know, moving from actions to feelings to thinking intentionally, what I would call that is creativity. Mm-hmm. And it gets into kind of the Joe Dispenza stuff with uh, flow state, but it's something I have created and I might write an essay about called ICE, I-C-E, which is intent, uh, immersive creative experience. Um, and that's where your left brain is engaged in the process, in the systemic process of something. Your right brain is engaged in how you feel about it. 
and your body is engaged from a sensory standpoint. And to me, that's all about intentionality, about create, you know, creativity, as opposed to sitting, um, like sitting in uh, the you know stuff just coming at you. You're like, okay, what am I going to create today? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do with this? What am I going to invent that didn't was never here before? That's why I say to my our clients, it's like you need to make shit that you can't Google. Well, that comes from being intentional with your mindset. Um, so. Um, as we wrap up here, um, I, like I said, I'll, I'll link to your landing page in the show notes. I'll link to your LinkedIn profile and everything. Um, any other parting words of wisdom that you have for uh, my listeners? Well, no, I think that any, anyone can start this work. And there, there are many resources available. I think that the most important one is to not buy into the, the commercial idea that this is only for for the you know white rich and thin yeah, people, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that is is something that is really worth it. If anything, I will I will trade anything in my life for developing this kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. Because when you really invest in yourself, your brain is the only serious capital you have that you're not gonna lose. Mm-hmm. If you when you invest in your brain and in developing your brain, in managing your mind, then you can get whatever lies. You, you, can, you can acquire more information and knowledge. You can show up as your best work for your family. So people that said, I don't have time. I don't have the resource. I don't have the capacity. I don't have the, it's not a priority for me to invest in my brain and in myself and to learn how to manage my mind because I have to make money because I mm-hmm. have to show up at work because I have to be there for my family because all those reasons really you're doing you're half ass doing it mm-hmm. you know like you're not being completely uh, everything you can be and everything you can do for for those spaces if you're not working on yourself first. totally totally and I would leave it with this from my take on that is every minute you spend in someone else's system is a minute you're not spending building your own. And we have to operate within systems in society, but we get to make our own shit too um, in that process. And it doesn't matter what your economic class is, and those, those are all factors, of course, but you can create your own system. As Viktor Frankl talked about, you, cre- you get to decide your reality through the, how you manage the most precious, precious choice you have, which is the power to choose your reactions to things, the power to choose how you respond to things. And if and, and it's, it's very clear, if you're not making those decisions, somebody's making it for Somebody you. Somebody else is making it for you. That's a perfect stopping point. <laughs> Thank you for doing this with me. Thank you.